Cages once again are five and one, going to McNeese tomorrow, and um, and, and for a midweek game in Lake Charles against the Cowboys. So the other thing that I thought you know was had to make you feel good is you've had some pitchers go you know six innings and just give you outstanding start has the starting pitching with all the question marks actually have you got more quality start so far than you expected is I guess is what I'm asking well I think just looking at this past week Kev when you go uh Moody gives a six Ray uh and then back to to uh Hammond that's three great starts right there uh Jackson Nezu has all the potential in the world he just uh, he's got to fix his location, and uh, he's given up a ton of hits and walks, and, and that's that's just from a lack of locating. Uh, if he can get to locating the baseball, he's going to be right there with those other three. So, I, um, you know, the bullpen, you've had a couple lefties. You know, Toyd has had some good out- encouraging outings. Uh, Marshall's had a, you know, a couple of just great outings, including one, you know, as good as you can do. What about right-handed pitchers in the back of the bullpen looking down the road? What does that picture look like? Well, you know, I think you got J.T. Etheridge that appeared twice over the week, uh, handled himself real well. He's coming off of elbow surgery. Uh, and then you've got Carson Fluno uh, that pitched the ball well. But uh, the other two is David Christie and Cooper Rawls. Uh uh, have have had some big appearances so far and and uh, handled those situations great. So as far as um, do you feel like you know you're not it it doesn't seem like you're kind of backed into a corner and you still have several weeks to figure out your weekend rotation. So it, you, are are you just going to kind of let the guys play, let that play out over continue to play out over the next two weeks? or Are y'all pretty much already honing in on that? I don't know. You know, I think there's there's four or five of them. We're going to get McGeehee back to at some point, maybe next week, maybe the week after. Uh, you know, I think it's just whoever's up at the time. Like tomorrow night, it'll be Moody's turn again. And, uh, you know, then probably Tommy Ray after that. I don't know. You know, we I think uh, you've got three, four guys that have handled themselves really well. And, uh, when you look at a big league rotation, I mean, it's just who who comes up in that spot. And so uh, I think that's kind of where I'm going right now. The other, the other positions that going into the season, there were a few te- positions that had question marks, and some guys have definitely stepped up. I mean, Azambo, wow. I mean, you know, he's played good defense. He's gotten hits. He's gotten clutch hits. Um, he's really kind of saying, Coach, look at me. Yeah, he is. And he did that. Look, he's done that all spring and, and heading into the season. Uh, led our team and everything in spring training and, and uh, had a hiccup in the first game and got to sit and watch for a couple and came off the bench, had a big jack late on the Sunday game versus Rice and then just had a great week for us. He does so many things. His size can kind of fool you, but he's a, he's a really good bat handler and he's a really good defender. And uh, he's he's a consummate team guy. He reminds me so much of Chase Compton. So, 
you know, if he comes through and then C.J. Willis has had his moments uh, so far through, you know, the first two series of the season, you know, and I know you you you, you had hopes for LaFleur. It's just going to be tough to get him at bats, I would think. That's the tough part right now is, you know, and he's gotten some at bats. Uh, but those those two are playing really well, and then you factor in Higgs is hitting, you know, four-something in limited time. Uh, Stelly's gotten off to a great start for a freshman. And now, you know, Veyon has a big home run and some quality at bats on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, it's, uh, you know, super competitive, and when you do get your opportunity, you got to make the most of it. Now, your one coach that I've noticed is not afraid to kind of do the unusual or the unexpected thing. I mean, when you have this many guys who showed potential at the plate, can are, are there more kind of what what you know other people like me would call off the wall moves that that y'all are considering are still kind of going into the little science room and, and trying to concoct here. Well, I think uh, that that type that type maneuvering, Kev, just it comes out of necessity. And uh, if you're winning, and there's a proven formula on the field, uh, we got to stick with it. And right now, playing the returners and the older kids, uh, you know, that know how to win and have been in these moments before. I think that's helped us win, you know, four or five really close games so far. And, and uh, you know, I think what we're six and one and, and uh, four of them are one-run games. And then you got two blowouts. So every game, for the most part, has been pretty tight. The only thing, I mean, if you call it a hiccup, the only thing that's been any, any kind of a problem so far has been uh, walks at times, especially you know later in the game, you you have played a, two really you had two games where you gave up a lot of runs. Uh, is that just a matter of continuing to learn your pitchers and or, or what's the solution to, to keep that down? Well, I tell you what, that's a tough one. Uh, you know where we have given up runs. If you look at those games, it is it's all free passes. It's not it's not getting banged around which if we're going to attack the strike zone with intent, I'm fine with. I'm fine with walks that are competitive. Uh, but that's a that's a fine line you're walking there. Uh, you know, whenever you're dealing with throwing a baseball, it's very tough to do. And uh, I'm fine. They'll work their way out of it as long as there's some uh, intent behind everything you do. And I think we saw a lot more intent this week. You know, the, we've talked about it many times over the years. One of the things that's great about being a college baseball uh, coach in the state of Louisiana is you don't have to go very far to to face a competitive team in midweek games, and you're going to have another one of those tomorrow. No doubt. And uh, McNeese always plays us tough. Uh, they do a great job over there. They, uh, they you know, they, they put together a great game day atmosphere. It's a fun place to play. And so we're excited about going over there, and, and we should travel really well with Cajun Nation. And, uh, you know, that's the other thing about this past week is the Teague, you know, Rousseau Park, it's gotten more, it's gotten more over the last four games of the, the, the stadium and rowdiness that I was used to before I left. And, uh, 
that was that was one of our big big things is is wanting to get these fans back behind us and and uh, creating a very difficult place to play and we almost had four thousand at every game and two of the games we did or three of them and uh, I think there was only one we had less than four thousand and they were into every pitch and a lot of that has to do with the product on the field but uh, administration and a lot of a lot of behind the scenes uh, bad dough. Uh, you know our administration. They they've really done a great job marketing of creating a very uh, uh, fun atmosphere that is yet tough for the opponent to play in. And our fans were in it from start to finish all week. All right, coach. One more question. The four game series I thought was a little unique. It was the first time you had one of four game series. They don't play that many four game series since the mid nineties. So, is that something that we're going to see more, or is that kind of an anomaly? Uh, I wouldn't call it an anomaly. I think if you look around, a lot of programs do it early. Uh, you know, four game series is not ideal. You, you, you know, you don't even see that many in the big leagues. It's uh, it's tough to sweep a four-game set. It's been 28 years since we did that. And, uh, you know, so that speaks to, A, they're not that, that uh, you don't see them all the time, and, B, it's hard to sweep. And uh, so uh, I was glad we did this one because I thought BYU handled themselves extremely well and uh, very well coached. And they played the game the right way, and they're they're a good team. All right, Coach, we appreciate your time very much. Congratulations on the great start, and we'll see you tomorrow. Good luck. Okay, thanks, Kev. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on. The game. Again, the game hotline 706 0111. That'll be it for interviews today. So the rest of the show, you could get in on the hotline. Lots to discuss after a busy weekend. Since we last spoke on Friday, you had the Cajuns. We were a little worried about South Alabama. And, you know, I think the Cajuns were so focused and so determined. You know, they actually had more trouble with South Alabama in the game in Mobile than they did the other night. I mean, it was a good game, uh, competitive in the first half. Neither team led by more than like three or four points. So, like, it was, you were all pretty much the whole, I don't know, first 25 minutes or so of the game, not actual time, but game time. Um, was within like three points of one another. So it was very competitive. Then finally, I don't know, a little, a little bit before midway in the first half, the Cajuns opened up a 10. They got up to a 12-point lead at one point was the biggest lead. And and But it, it, it's not that it wasn't competitive, but 
you all it just looked like the Cajuns were just a half a step ahead of them the whole time. Incredible performance from the field by Jordan Brown. At one point, I don't know that I've ever seen this in a basketball game. At one point, Jordan Brown was 13 out of 14. Maybe Shaq did it a few times in his career. But at one point, he was 13 of 14 from the field. Playing against a seven-footer who weighs about 250 pounds. Um, He was 13 of 14 from the field and one of seven at the free throw line. Uh, We've been talking about free throws all year long. Coach Marlin has suggested that maybe we talk about it a little too much, but I I got to kick back on that a little bit. I understand there are times when it can be overblown, but I just I, it's just something that worries me that it it would just be a shame after this season if they lost, you know, by one or two or three points, and you know they missed twelve free throws. In the conference tournament this weekend and this coming weekend in Mobile, that would that would be a shame. But great performance he put on a clinic in the lane, and um, it was it was a great victory. It closed out undefeated home season, which is something Coach Marlin has hinted, hinted at a lot over the years and made a big deal of, and and they were able to do it so. You know, they, they didn't get the one seed, but they got the two seed. And it's funny because, well, not funny, but the thoughts on the minds of a lot of people when the when the regular season ended was the very first game of the conference season. What was that? Late December. I mean, that was before we even got to New Year's Day. The very first game of the conference season, they felt like they got a raw deal down the stretch with the officiating and the all the free throws that Coastal shot, and they lost the game to Coastal that they led the whole way until the very end, and they had no business losing that game. They shouldn't have lost it, and uh, you know, in the end, cost them the conference championship. Just aggravating and frustrating. Now, again, the the beauty of that is. We know, well, one, you say you, you could say you won the conference championship, which is kind of what you, you're competing for until you get to the postseason tournament, and then you get the whole NIT bid. So, and I, I, I don't have the answer to that, and none of us do. So if you're the Cajuns, are we at the point, or is it still fool's goal to say this, that you obviously you want the Cajuns to win the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, but if you're the Cajuns, you want, if it's not the Cajuns, you want Southern Miss to win it. Yeah, that would that would be the if you want to get to the NIT. Look, I don't I don't think they're gonna I don't think their resume is gonna make. Oh no, I don't think they're gonna get it either. But if you're hoping, I mean, that's yeah. what you gotta hope, right? I mean, yeah, and you're probably your only path would be another win against Marshall. So beating them in the semifinals, both of you getting there, and you beating Marshall, and then losing to Southern Miss, where because that could raise your net. Both of those results would raise the net. Um, but yeah, from what I've seen, you know, a lot of predictions have them as like a, as an eight seed or out right now in the NIT and eight seeds projected eight seeds in the NIT. That's as low as it goes. And projected eight seeds don't usually get in because of course it's like, it's same thing with the NCAA tournament. 
where teams steal bids by winning conference tournaments. Yeah. Well, it's the opposite, where if you a team who's supposed to win a conference tournament loses it, remember, they now get the automatic bid. So those bottom spots are taken up by teams like Southern Miss if they weren't to win the conference tournament. So it's tough. I look, I think they're deserving of going to the NIT. I think the Sun Belt, and I don't know why the current ranking system doesn't favor some teams like you all the way the f- previous one did when it was RPI, but um, I don't think... Maybe they will probably get a bid to some other CBI or some other tournament. I don't know how many of those are even around now after COVID, but it's. Uh, I think it's it's win the win the whole thing to go to the NCAA tournament, or else you're going to be in a pretty disappointing tournament. Yes, I I, I agree. And, and only reason I brought that up is because I actually had that thought yesterday. I hadn't even thought about that thought yet until yesterday. But anyway, um, you know they obviously are thinking. Let's win this conference tournament and go to the NCAA tournament. They will begin play on Saturday. I hope you, um, for us older people, you know, it's going to be staying up late. Cajun women, 7.30 start, and that's if they start at 7.30. Yeah, I was going to say there's a very small chance that because when you're that, you're the fourth game of the day, you're now riding on three other games having been on time, which rarely happens. So... Maybe it's going to start at 7.30 on, on Wednesday. If the Cajun women win, they play at 7.30 Friday. Uh, if And the men play at 7.30 on Saturday. And so the, the Cajuns, is just the way it worked out, kind of locked into the late games every night. And the men would play at 7.30 on Sunday, Sunday. if they want on Saturday. And also, I'm looking at it now, there's no way this game's starting at 7.30 because the Marshall game, which is going to be before them. It's not scheduled to start till five o'clock. So there's no way you're finishing a game and then having you know whatever the designated. I guess they're probably going to give them thirty minutes to warm up. There's no way. I mean, that, it's possible. It's just not likely. Yeah, especially the way usual conference tournament games are, where you're you know it, we don't expect Marshall to blow Old Dominion or Texas State or Georgia State out. Yeah. So chan- I mean, I maybe, yeah. but I think Georgia the game's State. probably starting more like eight o'clock. Well, yeah. it won't be Georgia State in that game yeah. anyway. But so. You know, we'll see. So, we have basketball. The women played well, lost in overtime. They, they're they just kind of snake bit right now, and I think they're just kind of hoping that somehow when they get in the conference tournament and they're going to play. I, I, it looked like Arkansas State, Arkansas State, Arkansas State. I don't know what I misread, but I misread something. I must have misread that Arkansas State beat App. I must have thought somehow in my little mind that App won because I was just convinced that they were – Almost locked in Arkansas State, but it did not turn out that way. Well, and Coach Broadhead, before he, it was even brought up, said he thought it was Arkansas State in the presser. So everyone thought it was Arkansas State. I guess we all misread the uh, tiebreakers there. So, um, and so for their sake, I prefer App. I'm not saying they can't lose to App. They got beat by App. They lost to App last year. So it's not like they. it's impossible. But Arkansas State's really hot offensively and I think App's just a better matchup so we'll see what happens and then if they win they play Texas State a team that they won by 20 they had beaten what seven out of eight until the second round and Texas State did a great job of adjusting to what the Cajuns do defensively so that's going to be a very interesting chess match game if the Cajuns can win on Wednesday and get to that Friday game the the men um you know, more than likely, well, I don't know if you'd say that. My guess would be that they would play Georgia Southern. That's not easy. Like, Georgia Southern came here. Now, for whatever reason, 
And these kind of things in sports, you just don't know. For whatever reason, Georgia Southern plays the Cajuns better when they play at the Cajun Dome over the last few years than they do when they play in Statesboro. I, I can't explain that, but yeah. they, they play really well here. It's not it's not easy, certainly. We kind of discussed how that middle of the pack just got a lot better at the end of conference play. But if you'd have made me pick between the four teams in the middle, Troy, Old Dominion, South Alabama, and Georgia Southern, I'd have probably picked Georgia Southern for you all to play. So I think they got a bit of a favorable draw. Am I wrong? I would pick Troy. Am I wrong to say that? I is, just, or, is Troy, does Troy do a better job in inside defense? They probably do than Georgia Southern, so maybe I, I, I'm wrong. Yeah, in and that. I just like that Georgia Southern, the reason you were down by the, in that half was literally the best shooting performance I've ever seen from a college basketball team in one half of basketball, and I just don't see that happening again in Pensacola. Now, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but yeah, the interesting – Monroe hasn't won a game in, in a long time now, so you're feeling like Monroe – but then again, if Monroe kind of resets, they've shown they can beat anybody. They live and die on the three, too, so if they hit a bunch of threes, you know, they can yeah, win. Yeah, which they would – you know, that's the scary thing about either matchup is either one of those teams can have a lights-out shooting night where, again, the Cajuns, they somehow did overcome at that time. They played Georgia Southern. But those teams can create some difficult matchups, whereas – some of the other teams, but again, I, I I like where they drew out in the first round. Now playing Marshall in the second game, we'll see, and we'll see if it gets to that point. But I like where they're at as far as their first round matchup. Marshall's just a finesse game. I mean, that's just an old Marshall's more like an old ABA team than any of the other teams in the, in the conference. Like they're just like an old school seventies ABA team to me. That's what the that's what Marshall reminds me of when I saw them play. But. Um, I mean, they trying all these hook shots and stuff. I'm like, man, they're just they're, and they, and they came out with the old the old school um, green and white stripe warm up pants. I mean, they they were yeah. like a throwback, and they got an old coach who lived that that. And you know, Kenzie's so. kind of a uh, flashback mid range type of guy. The yeah. thing that worry would worry me about that matchup is that Andrew Taylor was horrible against UL, and and UL had a lot to do with that defensively. I've watched them play four or five times total. He's been outstanding every game except the UL game. So I, I wouldn't anticipate him having another nowhere near as bad as he played against UL. That would be something, again, obviously that's something they focused on in that matchup, I'm sure, but it's going to be tough to shut him down again if they end up playing him. And teams make adjustments. They just do. All right, such a busy weekend. We couldn't have possibly get to it all in one segment. So we touched on basketball. We'll get to softball, and we – talk baseball in the first segment interviewing coach Deggs we'll get to softball and other things going on was a busy busy weekend we'll do that and come back this is footnotes on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros a recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, reminder, the hot game hotline, 337-706-0111. We've talked mostly college sports, but was a big weekend in the NBA. So before we get to Cajun softball, and it was an eventful weekend, um, 
is last night's Lakers-Mavs game where the Lakers made this great comeback say more about the Lakers or the Mavs? Probably the Lakers, right? I mean, I don't know. So LeBron's fine, by the way? Well, he sprained his ankle and he said he heard something pop, but he finished the game. And- yeah, see, that was – I mean, literally it was like – Oh, I heard it pop. I'm done. This yeah. is it. And then he's just back And then out he's back there. on the game. Which, I mean, he's done that for a long time. Yeah. I don't know if he likes doing that just to mess with people or if he actually does think he's hurt and then he realizes he's not or if he just plays through a lot. I don't know what it is. But that was like. Well, when you when you have that initial thing of pain, things go through your mind. Like, no, I mean, we're talking about a freshman in college. But when, when, a, when we interviewed Maya Davis after she made that circus catch against the wall she says when she first hit the wall like she couldn't feel her body she was worried she was paralyzed so you go through these things in your mind when you're in a moment of pain and shock you know seconds after something happens so I don't you know I'm not gonna criticize that not criticize just thought it was I mean I saw the video come up I hadn't I wasn't watching the game I saw the video pop of him saying it was you know it was over he popped it and then and I turned it back on and he was playing I was like wait I just I thought he was out for the year like five minutes ago but, but it was weird because Jason Kidd was like, you know, I'm watching like the rest of you. Um, you know, we got to grow up kind of. So Yeah, you know. yeah. His comments were interesting. But, I mean, the the thing that the Pelicans like it, and I've spent, I mean, here the Lakers are a game back of them now. It's been like this whole just fall from grace and lost another game to the Knicks. I mean, tonight's game against. But you didn't really think you were going to beat the Knicks. Like, I didn't like their chances of beating the Knicks at all. No, but they didn't even play competitively. I mean, it was – I don't know. We'll see tonight. I, I kind of said already. I think this is a big one for you know the sake of getting right. You're at home. You, I mean, oh, you, you got to win this game. game. Yeah, right. Got to win this game. And got I also kind of said it's it's with Zion. It's kind of like Michael Thomas for me now. Like if he comes back, great. I'm not expecting it though. And if he if he comes back before the end of the year, that would be awesome. And hopefully he can give you a spark. But like this team's got to figure out how to win without him. And they've shown that they can. Like they've played. They were they've done it. Like they did it last year down the stretch. They did it to, at times at the beginning of the year. So. They got to figure out how to win without him because, you know, who knows when you're going to get him back. I asked that question, like, what other city has gone through that? Like, everybody, everybody says, oh, injuries are part of it. Well, yeah, but in the last two years, was there any, and I don't know the answer to this question, I think maybe the Titans or maybe the Ravens. But, like, people say injuries are part of the game. Well, no one else other than maybe those two that I know of has been one of the top four injured teams in all of football for the last two years. Like, the Saints were the worst or the second to worst last year, and they were fourth this year. It's just ridiculous. But who else has, like, two of their top three stars not play for, like, three years? Like, no one else has to do this. Put up with this. It's it's insanity. But, um... Very, it, no, no, no question. And obviously, I'm not a diehard Pels fan like a lot of you are, but I could, I, I understand the frustration because of everything the Saints fans have gone through with, uh, with Plastic Man. And at least, you know, at least Zion is, you, you know, he's injured because he's a bull in a china shop. I mean, Michael Thomas is injured because he was left in at the end of a, in to play mop up time, and it's unbelievable to me. How much that has cost its franchise and how much a total pass everyone gave the the Saints genius and I mean um Casper and the Saints coaching staff for that. You can't
cannot let that happen. He did the same thing the year before with uh with Z28 in Jacksonville. He's playing in mop-up duty. They've got Gardner Minshew stinking it up. The defense is totally dominating the game. And I got Z28 injuring his ankle, running the ball up the middle in mop-up duty. Fortunately, he came back from that, but it's just ridiculous. you got to take your best players out of the game. Now, I know Stan Breeze used to always want to play all the time, but at least it's a lot easier to protect a running back, I mean a quarterback that is a running back or a receiver. Stupid. All they had to do is take him out of the game in mop-up time. Think about how different the last two seasons could have been if they just take him out of the game in mop-up time. I will never get over that. Just so stupid. That's part of game management. I always talk about game management. You gotta take you you gotta take your best players out of the game in mop up time. It just drives me bonkers. And Zion just gets hurt because he's always hurt. Like I say, he's just a bull in a china shop. It's frustrating, but it wasn't ineptitude. It wasn't, you know, not just game management. It, it's just that Zion. He's just always injured. Ridiculous. All right. We only have a few minutes left. I didn't expect to go off on that tangent, but I still, I will never, I will never get over that. That Think about the, the what that has done. With that one decision on that one drive has done to the Saints franchise. Think about it. It's unbelievable. They're wasting all this money for this player, paying him 20-something million, and he never plays. All the angst and, and you know, the impacts that it's had on quite everything. It's just all you have to do. And, and, you know, again, you got to have a system to where someone says, uh, Sean, let it, it's mop up. Get, get 13 out of there. 41, don't need to be in there in mop-up time. If you want to keep Breeze in there, well, to hand off, then do it just because he's got to play the whole game. <clears throat> but, I mean, I mean, I guess it's a little better than getting hurt in a preseason game, but not really. At least you can accomplish something – in a preseason game, if you're playing like a quarter or a quarter and a half, you're trying to do something. I mean, you're accomplishing nothing in mop-up duty at the end of a game. Nothing. You're just sitting here, please hurt me so I can't play anymore for three years. That's what you're doing when you're playing in mop-up duty. Especially against a cheap shot team like the Yucks. I mean, Unbelievable. What we've gone through and what we're still going through. And and it's unbelievable how many people just gave that whole coaching staff up. That was total ineptitude. Somebody's got to have the responsibility and saying, let's get this guy off the field. Just to remind him. Unbelievable. We'll be back.
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline 706-0111, All right. We got off on a tangent in the last segment. That happens. But I, I intended to talk about Cajun softball. Uh, got an opportunity to go to Baton Rouge to see the game against LSU in Baton Rouge on Saturday, 5-4 to four victory. Um Great catch by Maya Davis that will be talked about for a long, long time. And a lot of people were upset that it was not the number one catch on Sports Center play today or whatever it's called. It was top. It was second. <clears throat> I didn't see that, but I was told that. And um, she came through, Chloe Riazzetto. You know, obviously they trust her a whole lot more than they showed in the first weekend or the beginning, you know, she, it was one of the games, I think it was on Saturday, she came in in the, in the Clearwater Invitational and pitched a game or two. And, I mean, I don't know, the the, the perception was there was a little bit of mop-up involved there, and yet now they're put, you know, they put her in crucial situations. They've obviously developed a lot of trust in her in a hurry, and they came through and, and, and had a nice win. Now, shouldn't have been 5-4. to four. Uh, You know, I they – made a few a little iffy here and there. And this is still a young team. <clears throat> yesterday's game, they played again yesterday at Lamson. And, you know, it's pretty simple, the difference. In 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 the first game, Maya Davis hit this, you know, made this incredible catch. Yesterday, Taylor Pleasance hits one to almost the exact same spot on the field. And except it was going over the fence, and it looked like Maya had robbed her of her home run, but the ball just came out of her glove. And she she didn't make the miraculous catch in that one. And when Chloe Rosetto came in, she it wasn't like she pitched poorly. She just she got Macy Bejeron down two strikes, and Macy fouled off a couple pitches and and hit a little. It wasn't hit real hard, but it was you know soft liner into left and. Two run single. And Chloe in the sixth and seventh in Baton Rouge got out critical outs with runners on and two outs. And she didn't do that in the Macy, you know, that's and that's their four runs right there. Now, the Cajuns didn't score. That was the other difference. Um Ali Kilponen, who's pitched against the Cajuns and always seems to pitch well against the Cajuns, you know, for several years, she went seven innings and only gave up one run. Now, the Cajuns could have scored a few more runs, but they didn't have a lot of threats. It was, it, it very easily could have been a one nothing, one one going to extra innings or 2-1 to one game, but the, you know, the one miraculous catch wasn't made, and, they got, and Macy got a two-run single uh, with two outs and two strikes, which most of the time, that's where our batting average started with one, I think, when she got up there. She hadn't been doing, 
But to her credit, she she came through and and they won the game. You know, those kind of losses aren't going to kill you. Uh, the important thing is they at least got the split. Now, <clears throat> the other concern is, I don't know, I, you know, offense. You know, I'm talking with Coach Deggs in the first segment about the Cajuns and their offense and. You know, offense is still going to go up and down. Like, the Cajuns offensively look really good right now. Truth of the matter is, the Cajuns, I'm talking about baseball, but that's going to go up. You're going to have games where you don't score a lot of runs. But the softball team actually was more consistently good in clear offensively in Clearwater than they were in this crossover tournament because, you know, um, A&M Corpus Christi, they the Cajuns beat them five to two, and they scored. They it was three to two until the seventh inning. Like they they put up they they put up two runs in the seventh, but it was three to two going to the seventh. They beat them yesterday two to nothing. If Carly Heat doesn't hit a two out two run homer in the first inning, very possible it's nothing nothing going to extra innings yesterday. Now I know you say well the focus was on LSU maybe so, but still they didn't. Um, they didn't do very well swinging the bats against the Islanders either. And so the only thing that concerns me about that is still a young team, and you wonder the difference between, like, basketball and football and baseball and softball is you play series or you play, if you get real deep into it, like, in a regional, a lot of times you'll play the same team twice. If you get to a super regional, you're playing a th- best of three series, just like you do uh, <clears throat> in effect in the regular season on the weekend once you get to conference play. <clears throat> and adjusting to pitchers and a pitching staff adjusting to your lineup by the third game of a series, like the thing that, the comment that Coach Glasgow made after yesterday's game was on a Sunday, our offense has got to be better than this. I mean, he didn't use those exact words, but essentially that's what he was saying. And so after the second time they played him, they did much better. Now, it also could be as simple as Kilponen's a better pitcher than the, and a more experienced pitcher than the ones that they used on Saturday. So sometimes a pitcher changes all of that. We, we, we understand that. But um, – they're going to have to make adjustments against a team when they face them two or three times in a weekend in conference play, and hopefully as they, they get better at that as the season goes on, you know, they seem to get worse against you know in the two games against LSU and against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Yeah, they got to figure out. I, one thing I'm worried about, they got to figure out who the ace is. And I, I know I guess it doesn't matter all that much when you're going to Oh, be- I think Shorman's days. That's what I'm leaning towards, yeah. but I still need to see a little bit more to feel comfortable about it. I like again LSU, you know whatever it is they have an ace. It's Kilponen. Like when they need to win a game, they're going to throw her. And you know some of the other girls that they have had better numbers, but maybe just you know again we talked LSU hasn't played a, as nearly as tough a schedule as UL has. <laughs> right. At least against UL, Kilponen every time she throws again, yeah, she's been lights out for a long time. So I don't know if UL has. I don't know that. Look, I don't think I don't know that it's that's that important. Like I, I think in a big, if they were playing a one game season, a one game with the season on the line at the end, and they're, and and all things equal, right now they're they're gonna pitch Megan. 
I mean, I, Shorman. I, I I really believe that. Now, that could change by the end of the year. Um, Sam has just gotten hit a little bit too much. And, yep. and um, you know, I, I think that I, I think I'm more worried about offensively uh, them being more consistent, and we'll see how that plays out as it goes. All right, that's one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Sama Castle on Stadium 32.3 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. We talked a little NBA, but mostly about Cajun baseball, basketball, and softball. You know, the Cajuns lost yesterday in softball, but when you look at Friday and Saturday, man, what a great weekend. Now, what a great two days that was for Cajun athletics. I know the women lost in overtime, but wasn't like it was a bad performance. And the men win the game on Friday, and baseball wraps up a four-game sweep of BYU like we talked to Coach Deggs about an hour ago um, in baseball, and then softball gets the win over LSU. And so it was a really good uh, couple days there for Cajun Athletics, and we'll see what happens in Pensacola. Again, the Cajun baseball team will play tomorrow at McNeese. The Cajun softball team plays today, 5.30 against Ole Miss. And so, you know, we'll see how they do. Uh, Megan did not pitch yesterday, so fully expect, unless something strange happens, for her to be the starting pitcher, Megan Shorman, against Ole Miss, and we'll see how they did. Ole Miss had two pretty convincing wins over McNeese in the Cowgirl Classic over the weekend. So, that was uh, some good wins for them, and we'll see, you know, how the Cajuns play in that one. I don't know that there was a lot of, if y'all have heard of any NFL news that I, you know, I didn't hear. I don't remember hearing anything overly big. I think there was actually more news in Major League Baseball over the weekend or things to discuss in Major League Baseball over the weekend as opposed to the NFL with the whole quarterback situation and everything. Um Manny Machado, what are the Padres? Like, are did they essentially, are they just, they don't even think past, like, we've got this contest for, you know, we might lose this guy, so let's sign him, which, I mean, if they can pull it off, more power to him. But but are they, did they choose Machado over, um, what's his name from the Nationals? Soto? Soto. I mean, Doesn't did they choose Machado over Soto with that sign? Or are they going to really be able to do both? Well, this doesn't this feel like Albert Pujols signing with the Angels? You got, I mean, I understand that you have to give him that many years if you want, and maybe the contract is structured. I'm sure it's structured differently because the Angels obviously made a mistake with the way that they did that. He's gonna be under contract till he's 41 years old. I mean, you know, he's not gonna be hitting in the, until then. I mean, guys, yeah, there's a there's a and select. Tatis has got a crazy contract to boot. So unless again, unless they're saying money doesn't matter, like I mean, the Angels paid for that. For ye- I mean, they still haven't recovered from that. I, I don't. From giving Pujols that contract. I mean, look, more power to them because they're trying. You know, they're in a division with the punks, and 
you know, the Yankees got a bad rap for years for trying to buy. Well, no one has tried to buy a title more than those two teams. Even the Yankees. The Yankees were never as bad as the Punks and the Padres are right now. I mean, as far as just trying to buy titles. And it hadn't worked because baseball is different. I keep explaining that to people, and they just don't get it. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. I don't see how you can do the Dodgers in front of Barnes Championship. The Dodgers have passed up the Dodgers a lot the last couple of years, Kevin. What kind of crazy thing the Dodgers have been doing lately? Well, well, they're trying to get Otani, though. That's what. That's all that is. Okay, well, I guess it's going to be one player. I mean, this year, they didn't do nada. They didn't do nothing at all. They even let, like, I wouldn't have let Tyler Anderson walk away. You know, I would have signed him and wouldn't have said much money, but they didn't even do that. That's fair. No, it's fair for this past offseason, but the three or four years before that, I mean, they went and they got the shortstop and the pitcher. And I mean, you know, they got they got all these guys. But no, this past offseason, that that's fair. Yes. Kevin, let's go back to the basketball for the Kings. I thought I think out of them, the the first matchup out of all the four teams, they got the best throw. Because I would, I definitely didn't want to play South Alabama again. I definitely want to play OCU, and I'd rather play uh, Georgia Southern than Detroit. I guess I, I I I don't know about Detroit. When I agree with you on the first two, um, I don't know. Georgia Southern just scares me. I they they're just I mean that explosiveness. Now again. For whatever reason, they play the Cajuns much better in the Cajun Dome, and this game's not going to be in the Cajun Dome, so maybe maybe you're right there. And look, let me tell you something. I'd rather play Marshall than ODU. ODU plays defense. They got some grit to them. Marshall don't. Marshall just wants to play a little fancy, uh, kind of run up and down by basketball, and they're not physical. ODU is physical. So ODU is more like because I didn't actually see the ODU. I saw the James Madison game. You're tell ODU is more like James Madison than they are Marshall, is what you're telling me. Oh, definitely. I saw I saw almost all that game waiting for the Cajun game to start. ODU and Marshall. ODU just said, "Come on, boys, we're gonna beat y'all," and then beat them up. You know, what I mean, I mean, the ODU ODU is good. That's what I want. I like. Look, remember we played them that first half. They beat us up. I remember Jason on the radio. We just need we need to be tough like they are because they are out toughing us, and that's the way they play. They play a very tough uh, brand of basketball, and, and I don't know if Oakland, you got it. Oh, I mean, uh, Marshall don't like to play like that. No, no, Marshall's like I said. They're they remind me of a '70s ABA team. They just getting up and down. That's it. So I, I really like our throw. I think we're gonna come on that side and we face them. I, I, I can't wait to watch that matchup where USA play Southern Mississippi, uh, Southern Mississippi in front of their matchup. Because how fast they beat Southern Mississippi the first time, that's going to be a very interesting matchup. I agree. All right, y'all have a good day. Take care. Um, so, I haven't looked at the schedule. Do you have the schedule? For, is that going to be right before a Cajun game? Which one are you talking about? Southern Miss South Al, if it happens. That would be in the morning. That would be at 1130. Yeah, I may not. I may not be there that early. I probably won't. Well, so that's what's really fun about this bracket. And I mean, I, I told you this the other day. When brackets start coming out, conference tournaments, this is when I really start getting fired up. Yeah, uh, this is my favorite time of year, especially the Sun Belt that I like following. You know, I mean, I will watch every game of this tournament for sure, and or at least every one that I'm able to. Southern Miss got the one matchup they didn't want. 
And that's that's potentially South Alabama. Now, South Al's got to play, which I guess they don't like being called South Al. I heard that once. They like South Alabama, apparently. They don't like the uh, abbreviation. I don't know. I don't know. I like to respect other teams' wishes because, you know, Louisiana gets a bad rep as well. App State's not a bad team. So South Alabama's got to play a pretty good App State team. Now, App State's kind of the wild card for me. I've seen them play the least of anybody by far because you all didn't play them. So I didn't, you know, right. it wasn't like I was watching that week. Um, but they've been like the definition of a middle of the pack team in the Sun Belt. They've stayed around 500 basically the whole year, so they would have to get past that. But Southern Miss gets the team that just beat them by 40, potentially coming right back to them to potentially be their first game of the tournament. So you know, it's one thing, and, and Coach Marlin said in his pre- his post game presser, somebody out of the top four is going to lose a game early. Like that's that's the way this tournament's gone for a while now. The Sun Belt, we've seen it's been Texas State a few times. Like somebody out of the top four is probably going to lose their first game. And if I had to pick somebody, I mean, Southern Miss is as good a candidate as any. I mean, they've got to play. And look, for them to get to the title game, they're going to potentially have to go through South Alabama and then James Madison. So you want to talk about that's the draw that I think the Cajuns somehow, again, that's what we mentioned with seeding. They're the number one seed. You think they're supposed to have the easiest path. It's far from it, and it's just the way the bracket shaped up. I would much rather UL's path of Georgia Southern and potentially Marshall than what Southern Miss has to go through. So we'll see if they even get to the title game. If they do get to the title game, they're going to be playing really well at that point. It could be a blessing, like y'all, are, like you and FedEx Man are saying, in that, yeah, you'd like to win the conference championship because it's your goal. I mean, you're trying to win the conference championship, and yet this might be a better path to get to to the finals and hopefully win it and, and then get to go to the NCAA tournament, which is, you know, Trump's winning a conference championship. Yeah, and so, yeah, what he said about Old Dominion, I, I agree with. They remind me of James Madison. They don't have a single guy over 6'7", uh, but they play a, a few really big guards. They play really physical, and they it's one of those teams that has shooting basically all over the floor because they play four guards. Uh, one of their guards, though, is like six, 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 seven. They've got one of the really bigger guards, but they're really tough and they're physical. And again, they they match up probably pretty well with Marshall. Again, we just saw that game happen. They just beat them the other night, so they'll have to play the winner of Texas State, Georgia State, which I, I don't expect to make noise. Um, I think obviously, if any of the bottom four teams are going to do anything, Texas State's probably the most capable. But they haven't played well yeah, at all. Yeah, they, they don't look good right They're going to need Mason Harrell and or their other guards to really shoot the ball well, and they, they shot horribly at home against Southern Miss. I, I, I know they're not playing well, but I still think ULM has shown more ability to play at a higher level than any of those four teams. Well, but they're but, – and so I wasn't even including them, though, because they won't have to play in that first round because they are the last team that got to buy as a number 10 seed. But, yeah, if, if you're – you know, and that's one thing I'll ask you now. Would you – Rather ULM pull off an upset, I almost would get scared if they play yeah. well enough to beat Georgia Southern. I feel like I might as well just rather play Georgia Southern. No, I, I think Georgia Southern believes they can beat the Cajuns. I don't think Monroe believes they can beat the Cajuns. I don't think they believe they can. That's fair. Yeah, so I, I think the matchup's just not good for them. But, um, so no, that it, it again, it's all the way to, you know, well, you know, there will be some games tomorrow. So it starts tomorrow. It's not like we got to wait long. But for the Cajuns to play, it's it, it, it's it's all the way to, to Saturday. And so I, I kind of think it's going to be a little more chalk other than Southern Miss. I agree with you. I think Southern Miss is going to lose either to South Al um, or James Madison. But I, I would be surprised if – other than South Al winning, I think South Al, 
I'd be I'd be a little bit surprised. I, I don't think any I don't think anybody from like nine, ten, eleven. I don't think any of those teams are going to win. But we'll see. That's why they play the games. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. It was kind of ironic. <clears throat> we were talking about, we had that little discussion about Iowa baseball, and the only game LSU lost was to Iowa. And and we had heard that they had this pitcher before the game that threw in the upper 90s. and He was wild, though, but it was just, I mean, I think you just class, you just put that under the, it's baseball. I mean, every once in a while you in baseball, you're just going to play a clunker, and, and that was, and and Iowa beat them. But, uh, so it, it doesn't really mean anything. But it was kind of funny just because we were talking about Iowa baseball and how we couldn't hardly think of anyone, and we came up with a few names um, of people who played at, uh, at Iowa. Uh, Cal Eldred and Mike Boddicker and Jim Sundberg. So there were a couple pretty long-time major league players who played at Iowa, but it was kind of ironic. They were the team that beat LSU, and LSU needed to to beat Sam Houston by 11 runs, which, I mean, no one is surprised that they beat Sam Houston, but you didn't know that you could beat them by 11 runs to technically get the win-the-tournament thing. So they won the tournament because they – crushed their face last night so just kind of funny the way that worked out and we'll see um you know there's there's not a whole lot of question how good LSU is going to be so I don't think that's a question but it was just curious uh the way that worked out we'll take a time out and be back this is footnotes on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome Back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. Again, we've talked all kind of Cajun sports. Busy going on heading into Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Begins tomorrow in Pensacola. I was planning on leaving like sometime just tomorrow afternoon and, and being there for a Wednesday game, but just it's just not working out that way. So we'll be going Hopefully cover the Cajun women if they win on Wednesday, on 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 Friday, and then covering the men on Saturday. So we're making plans to to get to Pensacola, um, Cajun base Cajun softball today against Ole Miss, Cajun baseball tomorrow, <clears throat> and so I'm. Uh, it's kind of frustrating, but it is what it is. I've only seen one Cajun baseball game so far. I mean, I've you know. They were at Rice, and then, and then uh, you know, because of the basketball being on Wednesday and Friday, I missed two of those games, and softball on Saturday, I missed that game. So it's just kind of kind of the way it works this time of the year. So we'll continue to, uh, to monitor those teams. Something else that happened that got a lot of play over the weekend was a spring training Major League Baseball game, which, you know, I don't really pay attention to spring training other than – We've got all these rules in there. Now, 
I'm not panicking because we've seen this before recently in the NFL where they put a new rule in and everybody freaks out over it and then they enforce it big time in the preseason games and then once you get to the regular season games, they don't really enforce it. But I kind of think baseball's going to enforce this. But I, I, I was proud of a lot of people because they started saying things like the thing I say all the time. And I've said for decades, what I don't get is, and I wonder if these people that frustrate me to no end that sit in these rule meetings, you know, these competition committee meetings, and they make rules for a sport. I think every rule that you implement or adjust, you need to ask yourself this question. If this decides the Super Bowl, or in this case, the World Series, am I really comfortable with that? Like, am I really comfortable with deciding the World Series? Uh, if you didn't see what happened, it, in spring training, they don't really play extra innings. So nobody cares who wins. Okay, really? So it's 6-6, bases loaded, ninth inning, bottom of the ninth. And this guy for the, playing the Red Sox and this guy for the Brazen, and he takes too long to get settled. And the ump says, strike three. Game over. Game over. So is anybody okay with deciding the World Series or a playoff game or even a regular season game with that? Is anybody okay with that? I mean, did, 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 did the people in this competition committee, did they even think about that? Now, maybe they're going to enforce it now and they're going to lax then, and hopefully in the postseason they really relax on it. But we'll see. Is there no warning issued with this rule? I, I I haven't seen it play out. So yet. I haven't apparently seen, not. That's so that's my thing. I like and it bet like there's no way again if if they call this out in the postseason. I mean I think I would hope Major League Baseball is smart enough to understand how that would look and what they would you know are doing to a game that they're trying to grow and you know have struggled to grow in the last you know so many years. But there has to be a warning to me. This feels a lot like the and, – and at least for the first couple of years, right? But, because, again, spring training games mean nothing. So I'm right. fine doing this to make a point in spring training, but I, I don't know – I mean, regular season, I, I don't know what and they're going to do. We saw this with the with the flop rules in college basketball, which I think have been largely a good thing. Like, we've seen a lot less flopping in the last few years. But, again, the first couple of years it was a warning, and then it was a – technical foul the second time around and now they've changed it now that I guess people are used to it and it's automatic technical now if you flop which I think is fine and I don't think it's fundamentally changed the game and and to your point I think if somebody was obviously flopping at the end of a game now if it was a judgment call and you know then maybe it would get controversial but I don't think that's been a bad thing I think it's been a good thing so if they're able to speed the game like I don't and I saw some people going like oh man you're ruining that the tension that comes with a batter stepping out of the box in a lit. I was like, okay, is that is that extra eight seconds of a batter stepping out of the box what people enjoy about playoff baseball? I think there's a lot of other things to enjoy. Well, I get their point about the tension, but what I don't like is, and maybe they want to do this, seems like the pitcher is really getting the advantage here. Yeah, and well, but the pitchers are on a clock too, so I think that's where it becomes a little bit more fair. But... But they can make you – you can only step out once. So after you step out, they can just make they can make you just hang there until the very end. I don't know. I think the pitchers have the advantage in this deal. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully, again, they're hopefully going to kind of keep their eye on this. Now, that's another one that I would have to look. Did they test this in the minor leagues? Because I, you know, Oh, yes. Leagues, They've been doing this in the minor leagues for a while. 
And, and supposedly it's worked great. Right. So that's my thing there. Since they usually and they usually do that, that's one of the advantages of having a, you know, lower level of the NFL doesn't really get that option, right, with a lot of their rule changes. They don't have a different level of football that they can test it out in. Yeah, so maybe, I don't watch minor league baseball, but I've been told by people who watch who pay attention that I've seen reports where people say it the players got used to it and it's worked well. And I know the pitch clock has been a thing for a very long time because even back when New Orleans had a triple A team way back, you know, which has been, you know, more than five years now, I remember the pitch clock when that started, everybody freaked out and then it was fine. Nobody Yeah. Now, the pitch clock thing, they ignored it at the beginning. They put it in, but then the umpires never even referenced it. Right. We would watch the pitch clock run out all the time and they just reset it. Like it was a play clock resetting. Yeah. But again, eventually they start enforcing, and that's work. So I'm not like worried about the rule, but yeah, they're they're gonna have to. They can't call a guy out in the ninth inning with two runners on base unless it's like egregious. Again, unless he's like taking his helmet off and messing around, and he's done it over and over again. I I don't know. It's just so that's gonna be interesting. You know, there's a lot of rule. We we talk briefly about all the rule changes in Major League Baseball. There's a lot of people that are saying that they're ruining the game. Uh, I think they're. I think in their opinion, they're trying to save the game. I know a lot of people disagree with that, and some of the things I'm going to disagree with as well. Um, I totally am against the idea that you, that you can't shift. I I just think if you're within the white lines, you should be able to play your guys wherever you want to play them. I, I'm totally against that. But again, what they're trying to do is bring baseball back. And what I mean by that, when I say play baseball, they're trying to bring the hit and run back and the stolen base back. They want to play. They they're trying to bring it back to how baseball was mostly played over the first 110 to 120 years of the sport. Now there were stretches where they played power ball, but most of the uh, first 120 years or so of baseball, you know, they, they, it was. It was more like what they're trying to get it back to. So we'll see if they're successful. Um, but I still think you're, you're looking at three-and-a-half-hour games a lot in the playoffs, even if they correct it in the regular season because of all that attention. I, I kind of agree with that. I think you got to allow people in postseason to do what they're going to do. But in the regular season, I, I'm okay with it. Did. All right. Speaking of sitting in a committee – I, I the 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 subject that we just I get both sides. I don't agree with every point that both sides make, but I get both sides of what we discuss. There is no other side to this, in my opinion. This idea that someone sat in a rules committee or whatever they call it in college softball and came up with this umpiring policy of if I've got a left-handed hitter at the plate and there's a check swing and I'm appealing because there's no third-base umpire, I'm appealing to the first-base umpire. That is stupid. It's horrible. It's stupid. It was horrible. And it, it, it is absolutely ridiculous. It should never happen. I don't care what the policy is. If you're at third base with a right-handed hitter or at first base umpire, whatever, you cannot ring that person up. That Because, look, he, he, here's the way it, it is. If you go around and it's that obvious, then the it should be the home plate umpire should make that call. If it's that obvious, the home plate umpire can see it. But if it's if it's a if it's one of those where it could go either way on the check swing, 
There is no way that the first base umpire could see it on a left-handed hitter, and there's no way the third base umpire. At that point, they're just guessing and therefore cheating. I mean, there is no other way to look at it. There is no way you can see that on a on a close check swing. And if it's that obvious, then the home plate umpire, if it's that obvious, the guy standing behind second base can see it. It is, that is the most ridiculous thing ever in any sport, ever, of in terms of officiating. There is nothing more ridiculous than that. Yeah, it it's is bad. stupid. It's uh, it's uh, it's really bad. It kind of, I don't even have a comparison for you. You're kind of right there. It's kind of the equivalent of maybe like a uh, a referee not seeing roughing the passer, and so then he goes to the back judge who was 60 yards away and goes, "Did you see roughing the passer?" And they go, "Well, there was like four other umpire. I mean, four of the referees that were closer." But no, it doesn't make any sense. And I mean, literally, and if you think about the mechanics of that, especially on a softball field where your position is an umpire, I mean. You see 60% of what you see is the back of the batter anyway. I mean, you can't see it all. It's, it is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, I, the, I understand why they thought they needed to change something because it's, it is difficult for a field umpire to see it, but they've got a better chance of seeing it than the first base umpire. You have to palms down. You have to. Yeah, that seems like just make it non-appealable. Yeah, if the, if the umpire's just, not in position, then okay, yeah. it's just up to the home plate umpire. If they call it, they call it, and if they don't, they don't. So Now, I'm assuming... Correct me if I'm wrong. Once they get to postseason play, they have four umpires anyway. Yeah, yeah, they should. So, um, so that doesn't matter. But I, I mean, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in terms of officiating. I mean, it's worse than anything else. And I, you know, I again, I don't get on umpires or referees that much. I don't think other people think I do. I get on rules committees and leagues. It's about setting up a system of fairness. That is completely ridiculous. And that umpire is being put in an impossible situation, but that umpire cannot make an impossible situation look even more ridiculous by ringing someone up. And... And and if he ring, and, and if and if it's so obvious that he feels comfortable ringing it up, then he's got to say, "Don't don't appeal to me, cat. You make the call." I mean, that's just the most ridiculous thing in any level of umpiring ever. I mean, whoever came up with that rule needs to needs to leave and go do something else. Go go, um, general manager of a bake sale or something. I mean, that is just ridiculous. That I have zero patience for that. That is the dumbest thing ever. It's dumber than anything that happens in the NFL. And I've been on the NFL rules for 30 years. That is the dumbest thing ever. They have got to fix that. Please fix that. I mean, look, I enjoy covering Cajun softball. I don't like the rules of softball. It's too little league for me. They need to change all that. But there is nothing dumber than that. They got to fix it. Please fix that. We'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111. I I forget who it was. It's one of these crazy announcers that most people don't like. Forget which one it was. But anyway, many years ago, I was listening to him, and he made a comment that I think about every once in a while. He said, sometimes it's as simple as looking in a mirror and and saying it. And just listen to yourself. You like, like the example I always give. Okay, I think what I'm going to do today is 5 o'clock on a weekday, I'm going to blindfold myself and try to walk across Johnston Street just to see if I make it. Like, sometimes you just have to say it. Like, look in a mirror and and say what you're going to do and think of, let it roll around in your head just a little bit. I have no idea where you're going with this, but I'm excited to hear it. <clears throat> no, it's what we're just talking about. So someone actually <coughs> someone actually sat down in a room <coughs> who has theoretically umpired a game before and said, you know, I think what we're going to do is we're going to tell the first base umpire who cannot see to make a ruling on a check swing to a left hand hitter. I mean, it's just as preposterous as trying to get across Johnson Street on a weekday with blindfold. Like, it's just stupid. Like, that has a better chance of happening than this first base umpire being able to see a left-handed hitter on a, on a close check swing. Like, the, there may not be any cars coming at that particular time. You actually might make it. Like, I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous it's the dumbest thing i've ever seen in sports officiating part of it i'm talking about it's just stupid please fix that no one should have to ever see that ever all right we'll move on again the game hotline 706-0111 um hopefully we don't see that again tonight but, I mean, it could. Just stupid. Just really, really bad. Look, umpires are going to have, like, the, the the Cajun crowd yesterday, they were not happy with the home plate umpire and his balls and strike calls. That's going to happen. That's going to happen <clears throat> from Little League up to Game 7 of the World Series. <clears throat> and who knows? When we go to this new mechanical strike zone, which apparently is coming, I mean, it's in AAA this year, we might be arguing that too. Who knows? But that's different. Like, this is way worse than any of that stuff. This is just the dumbest thing that you're ever going to see on any athletic field. But uh, hopefully um, <clears throat> that that kind of changes. So all the new rules in baseball – it's 
Now, one thing I haven't heard, they're not doing any of that in the World Baseball Classic, are they? I, that I haven't heard. I, well, I think uh, they the World Baseball Classic operates under kind of a different, the, isn't it under <laughs> international rules of play, which is kind of like the way basketball does with FIBA? Isn't it its own thing? It's not major league rules at all. I mean, probably, yes. Yeah, I would think. so I think it would be the rule sets that they're using for like the Olympics and things like that, which I don't. I don't know what any of the core differences are, so maybe I'll look into that and we can talk about it later in the week. I don't know if there's anything noticeable. Like, I imagine there's none of the bigger bases or anything like that. It's all going to be no. kind of your your classic set of baseball rules, but I don't know if it's more like the college game or, or what the differences are there. I, I would think, yeah, it's more like baseball was forever. Um, I mean, I hope. You know they don't get it to where if you throw and hit the guy with the ball, he's out. I don't, you know, I don't think we're going to go back to eighteen eighty stuff. But um, no, I would, I would expect it to be <clears throat> classic baseball. But no, look, I'm not a big spring training person, really. I, I'm not. But this could make spring training more interesting to watch than normally is because. You know, you just want to see how different it's going to look and, and what impact that's going to have. And it is going to be fascinating to see how it impacts team. Now, because something happens, <clears throat> you know, fairly often over a two- or three-week period or the first month of the season, that doesn't mean that's how it's going to play off long-term. So we might need a, you know – we might need to be a, l- a little more patient than maybe a lot of us want to be before we start making some, you know, this impacts the game in this way or some rationalizations. But it's it will certainly be interesting. Now, speaking of spring training baseball, <clears throat> look, I understand how popular gambling is in this country. But, like, on one of our breaks, the, they were given the lines or whatever it would be called for a spring training baseball game. Folks, they're not even trying to win the game. Like, how do you set a line on a game where the teams are not trying to win? Think about that. I heard that. I was we. I was shocked too. We were joking about it in the break. Like, I I don't know how. <clears throat> I understand you can bet on anything, but the you at least. I mean, it's how do you set a line when they're not trying to win the game? You're really fired up about the 19 year old prospect that's going to get in that bat in the seventh inning. Think he's going to come through. I mean, you want to talk about a shot in the dark. I mean, I guess it's a game of chance. So, you, it, I mean, it really just becomes a game of chance. Like, there's no, well, they have this and they have this, but it doesn't even matter what they have. I mean, they, they're not trying to win, and they're playing a bunch of people that even a normal fan just can't, doesn't know. I mean, they just don't know. They don't, they don't even know most of the players. Uh, unless you just really follow the the, the minor leagues, but <clears throat> it is um, that 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 is a bit of a stretch for me. But I, I'm not a gambling guy anyway. But I get it. But that I don't get that part of it. I just I don't know. It it, it 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 it's crazy. You know, I joke like on my little text group, oh the Astros won today or something. But but I mean I really I really don't care. Like I wouldn't ever want to like lose every game, but it really does not matter what you do in spring training. Now, as long as you're healthy, I mean you wanna stay healthy for sure. Um 
But other than that, it's just uh, that that just boggles my mind. That that I I mean I I'm assuming people bet on it or they wouldn't have it. Like that is I don't know. That just that just boggles my mind. Really, really, it does. But no. Um, I'm sure there's some maybe I'm over underrating. Like, is there like some teams like I don't know this, but maybe there's some team in Major League Baseball who's who takes spring training games more serious than the others, like the Baltimore Ravens do in the NFL. Like the Baltimore Ravens, they ain't lost a preseason game in forever. So maybe there's some. Ba- I don't think there is though. Well, well. I will say this, what I do, I, yeah, again, I'm with you, I don't really, I'm not a better much, but what I do know about the industry is that if they're making it available, if the, the big sports books are making it available to bet on, they think they have an advantage on it, so they think they know something, right? Because <coughs> they have the ability to make, you know, they don't, they don't have to post that as an available bet if they don't want to, but they are, right. so they apparently think they know something that you don't know because they're making it available to bet on, unless they're just putting it up there for fun. I, yeah, it's it's... I have never heard of that until today when we had our little updates, so I don't know. I was like, hmm. But maybe there – I don't know. I, I guess I, I just don't pay attention to spring training enough to really know. I mean, I listen to preseason baseball talk, but it's just about who's playing, who's going to play second base of this team and all that more for fantasy purposes than anything. But just for the interest of the teams and who's pitching and all that. But as far as the games themselves, that's the only thing I hate about MLB Network. They show too many of these games, and I just – I want to hear analysis more about the teams and actually watch these preseason – these spring training games. But, oh, well, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes <coughs> on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game hotline 706-0111-706-0111. It's in one of those webinar kind of scenarios that people sit down around a table and make rules for our leagues. Well, see, that's my thought process behind it is they had to just be bored that they hadn't made a change in a while. And they were like, what if we just mess up the check swing appeal calls? That'd be fun. <laughs> Wonder if anybody will notice. Maybe some talk show host in Lafayette will get fired up about it. Oh, but I, I mean, again, it's not the first time that I've seen it or it's happened. But it's just, it just drives me crazy every time I just shake my hand. It, it, it's just sooner you got to put. They need to put a stop to it. They need to figure out a better way, and or just don't. You can't appeal. I mean, you just you can't appeal. Now, <clears throat> the other thing that's going on that's different is they're replaying things now, college softball and baseball. That was not part of the replay systems at the collegiate level. Like basketball was doing it before baseball and softball were. I guess it's a good thing because, look, I'm a big replay guy in that I like getting things right, okay? 
Now, the only problem is, like, Coach Glasgow, man, he just wants to replay everything. I, you know, so many of these calls, I mean, if we're going to get to where we start replaying stuff on a regular, regular basis, well, somebody's got to be by the monitor, and when they're out by a full step, they, you know, they tell the coach, don't, don't replay. Like, don't, don't replay that. I, I don't know. They're going to, you know, we're just starting, so there's going to, you know, it's – Theoretically, a year from now, they keep doing this, or two years from now, they're going to be better at it. But right now, it seems like there's way too many replays or things that aren't even really that close once you watch the replay one time kind of thing. So I'm sure they'll get better at it. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yes, um, good morning. Good morning. But I know you're, you are a big baseball guy. Now, Personally, I don't watch it. It's too too slow. Games take too long. But I love this new rule about um, speeding up the game and, you know, the um, if the batter is lollygagging too too long at the plate, boom. You know, no, I, I'm good with the it. I'm good with the principle of it, and really, I don't care that it decided the outcome of a spring training game. Now, the point is, do we? I I, I think they're going to have to have a little more. They're going to have to be a little more lax about enforcing it once we get to the postseason for sure, if not even just a regular season. But no, I, the premise of what you're saying and speeding it up, I got no issues with that. If it were to speed it up enough to where the games would last only about two and a half hours, I would be. I, I actually would probably start watching again. Oh, but a, a, a four-hour four game, that's too long to be watching a baseball game. Well, and the a lot of the playoff games are four hours, but that's really a, the reason why that is is because they lengthen the commercials because it's a money maker, like. The the average length of a baseball game is like 305, 307. Now, now in the minor leagues, when they went to that, it did go down to about two and a half hours. So I think I don't know that all of them will, but I think you will see some two and a half hour baseball games this year. Oh, that's good. And yeah. that's good. Now tell me something and I'll let you go. Or is there like a pitch clock on the pitcher also? Yes. Like a like a, a clock on the pitcher also? Yes. The pitcher has a certain amount of time to deliver. He can't just be walking around the mound and all that. And then the batter has to get in with, I think it's eight seconds and, and, and with left in the clock to be ready to take the pitch. Okay. Okay. Well, it works both ways. It's yes, not sir. an advantage to either, which is the way it should be. All, all right. right. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. You too, sir. Thank you. <clears throat> no, you see, a lot – and look, I get – his point like playoff games last way too long but the but again a huge reason for that is that guys wait and there's more pressure and all of that tension in the idle moment that you that someone mentioned earlier there is some of that but the other reason is the commercials are like doubled like they double the time of the commercials between every inning or every half inning I should say because of it's a big money maker and so that's just the business side of it but um no I they had great success. I, I, look, every once in a while, you do get a two-and-a-half-hour game. But but I, what I was saying is that most people who only watch the playoffs, that's their perception, not all game. Like the average major league game, I want to say last year was like 307, if I remember. I heard someone say it a month or so ago, and I think that it's somewhere right in there. Now, the average playoff game is probably closer to four hours. He's right about that. So that, But, again, that's a commercials thing. I hope I got no problem with speeding the game up. I'm all for 
making um I just don't know if I I wish there was more stolen bases in the game. I just don't know if I like this rule about you can only throw over twice. I mean, that's just really messing with the way the game is played. Like, they're really messing with the way the game is played. I, I struggle with that. I hope I hope it gets the, the result that they want. Um, but again, and there's a misunderstanding, you can throw over just to – because we're going to have to go over this until we all get used to it. You can throw over more than twice. It's just that after the second time, you have to get them out or it's a bulk. So, like – if somebody's taking this enormous lead, you can throw over and get them out, but you better get them out because if they're not so far off that they get back and they're saved, then it's going to be a ball. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. It one. just that seems one's... like they're just messing with the game too much. I mean, that is, that is no, it's 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 crazy. But again, everyone keeps saying the game is dying and, and baseball doesn't isn't adapting and then they get so they get criticized that they don't adapt and they criticize them when they do adapt. So I don't know. It's a mess. Have a nice day.